Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 560 for the 17th of September, 2017. This week, Apple has announced three new phones, two of which will be available almost immediately, while one won't ship until later in the year. There's also an updated Apple Watch and improvements to Apple TV. How do you hold a smartphone when you're capturing video? There's a pretty good chance you're holding it the wrong way. But what's the right way and why? In short circuits, so many utility download sites display misleading download links and load up their downloads with extras you don't want. It's refreshing to find one that doesn't. It was even better when I learned about a hidden special feature. Picking up after the Equifax breach may include freezing your credit report at the four credit reporting agencies, so I'll explain how. And in spare parts, only on the website, as handy as jargon is within an industry, it can be a serious impediment when you're trying to communicate with outsiders. Foxit has a new tool for PDFs that makes the documents more usable for those who need to use a screen reader. And we'll find out what a digital pumpkin is and why you might want to work in one. Let's call this section Considerable Coolth from Apple. We have warmth, so why don't we have coolth? When something is really cool, it can also be hot. Well, imponderables aside, Apple this week introduced its view of the future. Three new smartphones, an updated watch, and a 4K television. This leaves me wondering what happened to the iPhone 9. Apple has introduced the iPhone 10 or X, but you won't be able to buy one until November, and two models of the iPhone 8 that are available now. Will there be an iPhone 9? Microsoft skipped from Windows 8 to Windows 10. Is there something wrong with the number 9? Model X or 10 will have glass screens, front and back. Fingerprint ID will be gone, but the phone will recognize your face. Apple says Face ID unlocks the phone only when the owner looks at it, and the technology is designed to prevent spoofing by photos or masks. The rear camera has two lenses and creates 12-megapixel images capable of creating video with 240 frames per second for slow-motion playback. Augmented reality comes to life on the phone, and the 5.8-inch 2436 by 1125 pixel display produces a resolution of, get this, 458 pixels per inch. Apple calls the new camera the True Depth Camera System. It's essential for the Face ID and also for augmented reality. Because the camera includes infrared imaging and mapping, applications such as Pokemon Go will have a lot more realistic look and feel. Why is that important? Well, it's because games predict the future of all other applications. All this means the phone will require significant changes in the way owners use the phone. Since there's going to be a delay on the iPhone X, I wondered whether Apple pondered the Osborne effect. You know, until 1981, computers were desk-bound. 
But on April 3, 1981, Osborne Computer announced the Osborne 1. It weighed 24 pounds, fit in what looked like a sewing machine case, and could be carried around. Sort of. The screen was tiny. It ran CPM. The thing cost $1,800, and it had to be plugged in. No batteries inside. Still, the Osborne 1 was amazing in 1981. In less than a year, the company had sold more than $100 million worth of them. That would be around $270 million in today's dollars. Then something funny happened. Osborne announced it would have a new and more powerful model in a few months. And sales of the Osborne 1 dropped to near zero. The company never did recover. Now, I'm not suggesting this is going to happen to Apple. Still, it seems odd to announce a phone that won't be available for a while, but will have incredible new powers when it becomes available, at the same time that the latest phone upgrade is announced. Is this going to hurt sales of the iPhone 8? Probably not. The smartphone division is reported to be Apple's most profitable division, so if sales of the iPhone 8 are less than stellar, it could affect the company's bottom line. But anyone who's planning to wait for the Model 10 or X will be able to buy one in about a month, so that's a pretty short delay. If you want to take a look at the entire smartphone line, there's the 10 or X, which is slightly heavier than the 8, slightly lighter than the 8 Plus. The X has the largest screen at the highest resolution. All three are water and dust resistant. All three are also available with 64 gigabytes or 256 gigabytes of storage. The 8 Plus and X models are reported to have 3 gigabytes of RAM. The 8 has 2. But as you're supposed to say here, wait, there's more. Watch television. Now, that's two items, a watch and a television, or more accurately, an attachment for a television. The watch. Remember when Apple just made computers and left watches to companies like Bulova, Timex, and Hamilton? Well, the Apple Watch Series 3 adds built-in cellular capabilities to your watch, so users can stay connected, make calls, receive texts, and more, Apple says, even if your iPhone isn't nearby. The third-generation Apple Watch has fitness applications with coaching features. It's water-resistant, and it can show your relative elevation. I'd say it could tell you how high you are, but you'd probably get the wrong impression. There are two models, one with GPS and cellular, one with only GPS, both featuring what Apple says is a 70% faster dual-core processor and a new wireless chip. Moving on to television. Remember when Apple just made computers and left televisions to companies like Zenith, Magnavox, and RCA? The Apple TV 4K supports both 4K and high dynamic range, so the images are sharper and retain detail in both dark and bright scenes. There's a lot of coming soon in the announcement, though. iTunes users will get automatic upgrades of HD titles in their existing iTunes library, I'll move them up to 4K HDR versions when they become available, perhaps if they become available. Apple also promised 4K HDR content from video services such as Netflix and Amazon Prime Video, also coming soon. What Apple offers, of course, is not a television, but a box that connects to your existing television. So you might need a new television, too.
If you use your phone to capture videos, you might be holding it the wrong way. Some topics are controversial, like toilet paper, over or under, pets, cats or dogs, and computers, Windows or Mac. But one topic seems like it shouldn't be at all controversial. There is a right way and a wrong way to hold a phone that's being used to capture video. If you watch someone capturing a video, you'll probably see them holding the phone in a vertical mode. That's the wrong way. It'll create a video that's tall instead of wide, portrait instead of landscape. Now, it's natural to hold the phone this way. It's the same way we hold it to talk, for those few people who still actually talk on phones. It's the way we hold it to send texts. It's the way most people hold the phone for selfies. It's the way the phone is held for a lot of still pictures. So why not videos? Well, you've probably been to a movie theater, and when you were there, you probably noticed the configuration of the screen. The theater will have a wide screen, not a vertical screen. Never seen one of those, have you? But why is this? Why do we naturally see more horizontally than vertically? Or do we? Well, first, I have to admit that most of what follows is guesswork on my part. But as a photographer, I know that lenses capture images that are circular. I started with a line drawing of a man and superimposed two red circles on the image of the face. One is centered on the left eye, the other on the right eye. If you check out the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll notice that this gives humans a large overlapping area that is seen by both eyes and other areas, right and left, that are seen by only one eye. You can prove this to yourself by closing one eye, looking straight forward, and moving the hand that's on the same side as your open eye until it is at the very edge of your vision. Then close the eye that can see your hand and open the other eye. Your hand won't be visible. So what we see naturally is more accurately described by the blue rectangle you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website on that image, or maybe by an oval. In any event, the shape won't be circular or square. We could therefore argue that our natural vision pattern is horizontal, not vertical. But hold the phone. Although I started by saying there's only one right way to create a video, I should also admit that there are times when vertical actually works better. Here's an example. One person talking. Just like a portrait photograph generally uses vertical images, a video of one person can work better in portrait mode than in landscape. Old TV screens had a 4 by 3 aspect ratio, but then came the 16 by 9 high-definition TVs, TV news programs with just one person on the screen left a lot of screen real estate on both sides, so producers had to find something to fill that space. Maybe another person, maybe some video, but something. But why are TV screens horizontal instead of vertical? Let's step back nearly 90 years, pre-television, to Hollywood. Early motion pictures didn't have any standard dimensions, but theater owners needed to buy projectors to show the motion pictures, and they wanted a standard format. The motion picture industry came up with a horizontal format. Cinemascope came along and made the aspect ratio wider, and there have been some other oddball formats like Cinerama, for example. Overall, though, it has been a horizontal world for motion pictures. Motion pictures are likely to remain horizontal for the foreseeable future, but Snapchat requires even those who produce high-budget video programs to create vertical clips. So the granite that the horizontal-only rule was chiseled into shows some signs of weakening. As for me, my built-in aspect is still horizontal. 
don't expect to see any vertical videos here. At least, not this week. In short circuits, several sites offer free downloads of utilities, but most of them do things that could be considered a bit unethical, if not totally dishonest. Maybe you hear about a utility that sounds useful, so you go looking for it. The site you go to promises the download, and near the top of the screen there's a huge button that says, Download! Nearby, in much smaller type, you might see the word, Advertisement. Sometimes that huge download button is at the very top of the page, designed to look like a link to the file you want. The link to download the file you actually do want might be near the bottom of the page, and sometimes in very light type. In other cases, the site that provides the download packages the file into its own installer, and that installer comes with applications you didn't ask for and don't want. These are called Potentially Unwanted Programs, or PUPs, P-U-P. -P. Some of them will be installed automatically with the application you wanted unless you choose a manual installation and carefully read every screen that the installer presents. And sometimes the crap will be installed even if you tell the installer you don't want it. Nasty stuff. Well, when I wanted to download a file recently, the developer suggested OlderGeeks.com. I'd never heard of that site before, so I took a look, expecting to find the usual collection of deceptive buttons and tag-along junk. Instead, I found a site that is refreshingly straightforward, a clear statement about lack of tricks, and a request for a donation. There is no free lunch. The big download sites pay their way by selling links and including those pups. Older geeks pay their bills by asking for donations. Before I left... I made a small donation. You'll find more than 2,500 free applications here. The operators say they examine every single one to make sure that it's clean. Next time you're looking for a utility application you've heard about, or if you need a driver of some sort, give older geeks a try. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. At one time, they had discussion forums on the site, but those have now all moved to Facebook, and there's a link from the site to their Facebook page. The site also promises remote tech support if you need help with something. And they have a business plan that any venture capitalist would love to hate. Let's take a look at that support offering. Just how much does it cost? Well, there is no published price. Chief Geek Randy puts it this way, and I quote, We actually charge no fees. Zero, nada, zip. If somebody requests remote support, we help them install the remote app, and we get started fixing whatever problem they're having. When the customer agrees that their computer is far better off than when we started, we disconnect after telling them that they can make a donation on the website if they can afford it. The amount is up to them. That's it. We like to keep things real simple, Randy says, being from Missouri and all. It does really freak people out, he says, when they find out there is no catch, and that makes us smile. Well, it made me smile, too. This is not an entirely unheard-of business model but it is sufficiently unusual that it bears talking about. Occasionally, I hear of a restaurant offering a deal like this, but it's not something I've encountered in the computer support field. 
This tells me two things. First, Randy knows that the support he offers is worth paying for. And second, he must believe in the goodness and honesty of most people. I'm sure there are people who don't pay even if they can afford it, but apparently most people, or at least enough people, understand the value of the assistance they receive and are willing to pay for it. So even if you don't need any help right now, and even if you're not looking for any utility programs right now, it might be a good idea to bookmark OlderGeeks.com. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. The credit monitoring companies, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, are probably the most detested organizations on the planet. They're rarely helpful, and yet we have to deal with them whenever we want to buy a car, open a bank account, or do nearly anything that involves money. The recent Equifax breach that exposed critical information about hundreds of millions of people calls for immediate action. I'll describe what I've done. You can decide whether these actions are appropriate for you. I have frozen my credit reports on all four agencies. Why not just Experian, you might wonder? Well, here's why. If Experian made it possible for crooks to gain access to my social security number, full name, birthday, driver's license number, and a lot of other essential information, then that information is in the hands of the crooks. The crooks might try to open a credit card account in my name, but not necessarily with a bank that uses Experian. The bank might use TransUnion or Equifax. And there is a fourth credit reporting company, Innovis, that some companies use. So I have frozen my credit report at all four. They can provide information to companies that I'm already dealing with, but not to any new companies. That keeps the crooks from opening a new account in my name. If I do need to open a new account somewhere, then I'll have to go back and unfreeze the account. That's annoying, but I think the safety is worth it. If you want to do the same, here's how to go about it. You'll find links to all of these on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Experian charges a $5 fee in Ohio. It creates an account that you need to log into if you want to unfreeze the report. The cost may be more or less in other states. Equifax will freeze the account for free. They'll issue a PIN while you're on the website, and you have to have that if you ever want to unlock the account. There's a link to Equifax on the TechBiter Worldwide website. TransUnion will freeze your account for free, but they also create an account that you'll need to log into if you want to unfreeze, and they will try to upsell you on a better paid system. Innovus has an online form to fill out. The service appears to be free. Innovus says it will confirm the change by mail, not online. You'll get a letter. And if you're looking for some additional useful information on this whole mess, Brian Krebs has an excellent report. I have a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And while you're on the TechBiter Worldwide website, check out Spare Parts because that's the only place you're going to find it. This week, as handy as jargon is within an industry, it can be a serious impediment when you're trying to communicate with outsiders. Foxit has a new tool for PDFs that makes documents more usable for those who need to use a screen reader. And we will find out what a digital pumpkin is and why you might want to work in one. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. 
the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.